Hello and welcome to Make Language Great Again. Today it is my great joy and pleasure to welcome Kat McGuire, who is a wonderful scholar and a really beautiful human being. <laughs> Thank you very much, Tessa. So we uh, are going to talk about cyber polygon, which is a major topic of research for Kat. And also I want to talk about love. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with cyber polygon. All right, cyber polygon is not about love. Uh, Cyber Polygon is a concerted effort by people who we could only call psychopaths and they claim that they're simulating possibilities of what they need to thwart from bad actors. Um, I believe they're doing dress rehearsals. They're the bad actors and even if they say it's the Chinese or the Russians, I believe ultimately it's them. At the very top of the food chain are really, really bad, sick people. And they get everybody to um, point like this, no, they're the bad guy, no, they're the bad guy. But in reality, they use all of these assets and they're creating these um, catastrophic events. And now that they have so much technology um, under their belt, um, now more than ever, they are able to do what never before in history they have been able to do, which is A, corral almost all of humanity into their um, evil stratagems, and B, um, use big data to defy nature and play God, and really go at every single thing in life and turn it into, as you perfectly call it, Tessa, the machine. They, they are at a point in the first time in history that they can machinize the entire planet if we let them. We have to thwart this. And the first step, as I said in my Polygon presentation at the end, what can we do? I think the first most important step is awareness, which is kind of another way of saying education, because if you don't know what's going on, it's very hard to thwart it. And that doesn't mean you have to get a gun back. There's different ways to thwart it. Um, I, I believe that we're leaving a lot of money on the table um, by not using our right brains, what I call right brain activism. Um, where we can um, create different realities and um, because it's hard as Audre Lorde um, said she was a great African-American um, theorist and feminist um, the master's tools can never dismantle the master's house so we're trying to use social media well that's their tool some people are trying to use guns but they haven't really used much of our innate intuitive powers that one could call spiritual, but um, we don't use all of our brains in part because they have channeled us not to. They, uh, they want us to stay in left brain, which is more linear, uh, that's where technology lives, but there's a vast universe um, of right brain consciousness that we, uh, humanity has left by the wayside. Um, interestingly, it, um, when we learned how to language, we got an extraordinary tool with language but we also lost an incredible ability to telepathically communicate with other animals um, and to, um, 
to, to just elevate our consciousness in a way so as powerful as language is, it has actually thwarted us um, in the long run. And so one of the reasons um, I have looked into doing psychic development, um, I channel and I do telepathy, um, I'm a professional palm reader, and one of the reasons I got into it is because I, I just had this innate feeling, even before I had the heightened political consciousness that I do now, that that's one of the last refugees, stronghold. Uh, they may be able to... Um, torture me or deny us food or whatever they're doing to humanity, whatever happens, even if it's not the psychopaths, but they can't touch here. They can't get at our thoughts. And um, that's why I felt that that is a place of power for us. But now that they're doing synthetic telepathy and all kinds of DARPA programs to learn how the brain works so that they can do mind reading, and it's always, oh, it's for your good. Um, um, it will help people who have had um, uh, brain aneurysms or whatever um, minuscule uh, societal good that they offer to get us to buy into it. Ultimately, they want to get control of how we think. But the problem that they really have is they may be able to control our, our minds and how we think and put in, there are all kinds of people called TIs, uh, targeted individuals who, um, it, it's, it's very scary. That's a whole another thing that has to do with actually fourth generation mind control weaponry that I believe that they're doing. Um, how else could they take out so much of humanity? Humanity is not that stupid and yet there's, that's a whole other subject of how people have uh, succumbed to complete illogic. Um, and so what they've managed to do is take out a lot of people, I think, because they're going after the mind. But what they are not capable of doing, I believe, they have reached a brick wall, is um, the mind is not just synaptical activity for like a, um, our own little um, biocomputer, but also the mind in part is where consciousness rests. And it's a combination of the mind and the heart. And what those two together, mind plus heart equals soul. And I believe they have soul envy because no matter how much they want to machinize and become transhumanist gods that can push levers and calibrate how humanity and all creations on earth um, will uh, live, um, they still cannot get at that ineffable part of what all of life is, not just humanity, but all biological life, and that is the soul. We have a soul, and they have not figured out how to do that. They're, they're most um, uh, lofty bots that they're creating, these robot people. I just don't think they're ever going to be able to capture the essence. They, they might become more smarter than us, these, these robot humans, like in um, uh, Blade Runner, a fabulous film that I've seen ten times. Um, so they may be smarter than us, better chess players, but I don't think it's possible to program consciousness and heart and soul and become truly human. And that is where I think they have soul envy because they can't get that last ultimate authenticness of what it means to be human. And I think um, partly I, I, I call it a velvet, a velvet cosmic rope is that um, the Akashic records, um, sages from past all ages have um, talked about this, uh, the library, the vast library that has your past, your present, and future. Every single soul has 
um, a, their soul in the um, Akashic Records, which is a form of a, a big library of who you are. And I believe that the velvet rope that keeps them from getting there is you have to have a soul. How can you cross ages if you really don't have a soul? So they're trying to hybridize us so that um, somehow they can break these barriers that um, they've come up against a barrier that um, they think all of their technology can do it, but the more they reach into the technology and the machine, um, um, for them it's counterintuitive, but the, the farther away you come from your heart and your soul, and that's where our strength is, and we have to keep our hearts open and, um, and love a connection to the greater divine. They want to be the great divine that everybody um, bows to, but there's a greater divine than them, and that's what they can't ha handle. And it doesn't matter what you call it, um, whether it's Buddha, Allah, um, God, Grandmother Spider Woman. People call it all different kinds of things, but it's a con connection to the great divine, and they want to be that great divine. Such arrogance, such hubris, and they think that with their these all these smart toys that they have, that they can achieve it. And they just, they don't understand that this is not something that can be achievable because what's um, attendant with that is when you're connected to the great divine is love, a connection to nature, a con a, 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 an understanding of truth with a capital T and beauty with a capital B. And, um, and even patriotism, they scoff at patriotism. I used to myself. But what patriotism really is, is a form of self-love. You love your country for all of its warts you want to try to heal, but it's loving where you're at. You, you cannot program the soul. That, they've, they've come up against the real uh, God power in the world, the real divine, and um, I, I think they're just like, we're going to do it, come hell or high water, and uh, they're so arrogant they think they can, and that's our last greatest strength is to continue to love and believe in our own self and connect with others. And that's about all we can do. And th th those are not the tools of the master's house. They've long ago lost them uh, um, in their uh, transformation um, of power-hungry psycho. It's like psychopaths um, get more and more, um, um, oh, how would you say it? They, it, it you know, it, when, you, when you breed something in nature, and you only breed the one that has the best teeth, let's say, if you want somebody, an animal that can really um, uh, chew food well, and you keep breeding and breeding. Well, unfortunately, because psychopaths know how to game the system, they have bred, we, we are at a, an, an, an apogee of um, psycho, psychopathic power and behavior. And that's why we are in this time right now. We are in a new stretch of 26,000 years. Um, the, the, this new age, um, they laugh, the age of Aquarius, but just as they want this radical transformation of society that they're trying to do, their 10-year plan, supposedly by 2030, um, we're all going to be transhumanists in some way, we too are at the precipice of massive changes for ourselves. Are we going to get with the program or not? Are we going to step into um, our, the full capacity of what it means to be um, a human-born human and a biological and emotional connection to nature and all of life? And, and it's not just going along and, and just meditating and new agey la-di-da. All of humanity, the psychopaths and those who have a higher consciousness are at this point where 
um, we have to make big, bold decisions of what direction that we're going to go in. And so we have a lot of power that we can um, utilize, but we have to get more people to have the awareness that we have that. And so I say for every one of the psychopaths, 60,000 walking brain dead, we're worth one. One of us is worth 60,000 of them. So we're strong. It's a weighted comparison. We don't need 60,000 of strong us who believe in these more higher divine connections. Um, but we, have to, we do have to get more people aware so that we can shift the consciousness because we are in, I wouldn't call it a race, but there's what happens in the next couple years, even the next couple months, honestly, but um, especially in the next one, two, five, ten years, is going to have massive impact on the next couple centuries. And that's why we have to have faith that um, we have uh, the, the golden tools within us. The, there's a golden divine, and we have that. But um, they've uh, learned tricks of how to game the system and uh, sabotage it. And so people need awareness that... Um, we as a species don't have to go down this ugly route, but um, it's, it's going to take a lot of work still. Well, you said a lot. And it, <laughs> I did. It wasn't quite about cyberpolygon. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to. I meant to. We can get back to. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, I get down to earth, cat to earth. What is cyberpolygon, actually? Um, cyberpolygon is. Um, it's the third one that the World Economic Forum has put on, and it's a simulation. So what's a simulation? Um, all different um, um, fields do simulations. Um, they're drills. They're role-playing. Um, if you want to try to go for a better job, you practice, how am I going to interview? Sports teams all the time do drills over and over again. Imagine how they're going to get that ball in the basket. So this is a common standard practice that has um, very good um, um, usefulness. And um, what think tanks do, and government um, and um, political players, is they role play too. And so in their minds, there are many bad actors out there, which maybe probably there are. So their simulations have to do with how are we going to protect ourselves in the event a, a computer is hacked and all the money is stolen out of the worldwide banking system? Or how are we going to protect ourselves if a computer is hacked and um, the entire global supply chain is uh, just comes to a screeching halt? Or how are we going to protect ourselves if it's not a tabletop simulation? Those are computers. Nobody's like out in the street with a gun or an airplane. But there's, uh, there's actual live ones. 9-11 was an, a simulation, a drill, where uh, NORAD and other paramilitary organizations and military um, were in the skies flying. Um, what if um, um, they actually did one? What if uh, some kind of terrorist tries to fly into a tall skyscraper in downtown Manhattan? They actually practiced that one five times over a couple years. So what if that were to happen? How would we do it? Well, you can't just sit like at a computer and do uh, computer simulations. You can do that, but you really got to get um, actual flesh bodies in airplanes to do um, these kind of um, simulations. And for one like 
it was actually happening in real time. They were doing these simulations, and oh, how convenient, at the very same time, the so-called terrorists were doing the exact same thing that they were simulating. This happened in London as well during the 7-7 bombing, July uh, 7th, oh gosh, I forget the exact date, 2005 maybe. Um, they were doing a simulation live. People were in the metro, the subway, and um, imagining a terror attack, and wouldn't you know it, right at that very same time, a terror attack happened. So it's really convenient for them when they do them live like that, but whether it's live or whether it's a projection of my, what might happen, um, they're still, um, they're uh, training tools in many ways um, to either thwart it or, hey, <laughs> figure out how to do it themselves better and have uh, either people do it for them, state actors that they hire. So for Polygon, um, the first one was kind of low-key. Last year, the one they had, um, they, well, they always had, the, for the first two, the third one is coming up um, tomorrow, we're, we're talking right now July 8th, tomorrow, July 9th, is the cyber polygon that they're having um, with the World Economic Forum, and we'll talk about it. The other um, sponsor is basically the state of Russia. Um, but they always have two tracks. Hello. Yes? No, I mean like hello, meaning the state of Russia. Oh, right. The state <laughs> that's of Russia. you from here. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. So they didn't mean to interrupt you. No, sorry. that's yeah. okay. Yeah. They these polygons that they've done. They they they're all different kinds of ways they can do it. Johns Hopkins has done them. The government has done them. Rockefeller um, has done them. But the way um, the World Economic Forum with um, the Russian government has done these cyber polygons in the past is two tracks. One track is technical training. So big corporations have their crack team um, be on their computers and the World Economic Forum team that plans this tries to crash into them, tries to hack in. And so all of these companies, um, their banks, technology companies, um, big, huge transnational corporations, their software people and hardware people, um, they get to have a, a field exercise. Okay, now they set this up and they're going to attack us. How can we do it? Do we have this patch? Can we download that? So that's going on on tomorrow. It'll be July 9th that they're going to have that big um, test going on. And then at the same time, they have what I would call the software version where they have speaking heads, talking heads, who have uh, um, presentations online. Last year, 5 million people were tuned in to about, I think, 10 people spoke. One of them was Tony Blair. So it's, it's very high-level people, high-level um, um, pundits and um, political analysts. Basically, the whole thing is we have to have really tight security. Everybody has to be on the same page because these bad actors are going to try to break through our systems and all hell will break loose. That could be true, but also have the tight security so we can have this global uh, new world order that we want. And you sell it as be fearful because if we don't have it all under complete control, who knows what can happen. Um, but it, and it gives them the very keys to the kingdom to make that kind of tight control over us. And so tomorrow, July 9th, um, is going to be their third simulation, take a crack at it. And um, I, I don't believe it's going to be a live one, that tomorrow things, all hell's going to break loose right while they're doing it, like a 9-11 or a 7-7 thing. 
but I think just like with Event 201 that happened a mere two months before COVID hit, that simulation with Bill Gates, Johns Hopkins, World Economic Forum, pretty much mirrored the actual COVID and is still mirroring the COVID that is uh, that ended up happening. Um, so uh, the, when they say they're doing a simulation, your ears better perk up and you better pay attention because often... Um, they're not just having tea leaves, what might. No, this is, the, when they talk, they say it all in the open, really. People just, people are disconnected. People are distracted. They don't know how to connect the dots. But when they say, we're going to do this and we're going to figure it out, you better pay attention because a lot of these things actually happen the way they say. And so the one um, that they're doing, the third one, tomorrow, July 9th, is... Um, it is going to be a simulation of a cyber attack on computers, on particular computers. That the, the result will be um, a, um, a, a, a cutting down the entire global supply chain, or at least large portions thereof. So they're going after the supply chain in this one. In the one last year, it was more after um, extremely secretive. Uh, state secrets, company secrets, how can we get at uh, the treasure trove of where secrets are? So who knows what they would do with those? Because, um, you know, you want to keep your family jewels protected. But the, the one that they're doing this year, 2021, is about what if they go after the supply chain? Well, how perfect. Go yeah. after the supply chain. That's exactly what they want. They want to crash everything, blackouts, everything gets shut down. This is what I feel that they're moving towards because the supply, when supply chains break down and they're already starting, when you follow the news, um, there are supply. They always have little um, touch points leading up to, oh, and then this big one. Oh, well, we didn't know that was going to happen. All you have to do is just see the trajectory of what is happening already. And so they're getting us all afraid of a cyber attack that's going to take down the supply chains. We've already had a few. Last year we had, uh, or this year, we had on um, the Colonial Oil Pipeline. We had um, JBS, the food supply chain. So they're getting us inured to this idea that the supply chains um, are going to fall apart. Um, but the real thing that's happening is once those supply chains fall apart and everything goes to hell in a handbasket... And uh, who knows how long electricity's cut off. I don't think that can happen a long time. I don't think they can have that going on for months because they have to be able to communicate with us through our um, uh, telephonic um, and electronic um, devices. So I, I don't think that's going to go on for a long time, but it's going to so scare the bejesus out of people that any kind of activism or counter-government, anti-vax, any kind of... Um, activist activity, it's going to nip that in the bud. They've done it twice already, um, or, or twice, probably many times they've done it, but one time was in, uh, the elections were stolen in 2000, um, and um, and they were, there was a huge activism around that. Well, lo and behold, they had 9-11 on 2001. It just completely stopped any kind of election integrity movement, which was strong. And then before COVID happened, all over the world, there were many um, uprisings happening. Uh, we saw Taiwan, France with the um, yellow vests, um, everywhere around the world. There was a lot of so social unrest. 
Well, along came COVID, boom, that all went out the window. So we know that they can strategically use these, everything just falls apart. And now here we are um, after about a year and a half with this uh, supposed pandemic, um, people are waking up. People are like, nah, fool me once. Uh -uh. Some of us got it like from jump. We knew exactly what was going on. But more and more people are now, so they, they, they can't keep throwing out a, the same uh, trick. So, um, and more than that is um, they've got some really important stuff up their sleeve in their eyes that they want to do. So they're going to have to really crack down. And that's what Klaus Schwab has been saying. If you go on the World Economic Forum's website, you've got Klaus Schwab saying that a cyber attack is going to make um, the COVID uh, pandemic um, seemed like uh, it seemed like it was nothing. So it's like you know that's not gonna like oh my god what do they have planned for us? Is it gonna be something around climate? Is it gonna be something around aliens? And actually, if that one doesn't work, they got a couple other up there. They, they can throw a couple of them at us. But I believe what is is going to be coming is what they're simulating right now, which is these. Um, a cyber attack to create a cyber pandemic that will shut down the supply chains. Everything blacks out and people are scared. And then when the light lights come on, it's like, oh, well, look at that. We're going to have a new monetary system because that's what they really have been wanting, that they need and want for this 10-year plan that they have um, to get us to a transhumanist, um, radical new society that is uh, a, a globalist, um, centralized social control, they need to get the financial system in order more than anything else. So what COVID was, was just sort of, uh, let's test them out. Let's see, will humanity buckle? Will they go along with this? And, and they're just gleeful. They just can't believe how easy it was that with all of their tools, they've got us so dumbed down, so distracted, so um, internecine war with each other that um, for them, it was pretty much a walk in the park. And we see the degree that anybody you see wearing masks is certainly at this point in time, we know that that's one of their 60,000 walking brain dead. So they got a lot of uh, people and now they're, they're gearing up and they're, they're doing their tried and true trick, lull us into thinking, oh, everything's going to be okay now. We followed orders. We got the vaccine. Things are opening up. No, people, this is just the lull, the calm before the storm. COVID 2020 was just the previews to the movie. We, ha we ain't seen nothing yet. And what they want to do after they do this big, um, just mess with us in a huge big way, so that they, that, so that we're so utterly, um, utterly um, distracted and being willing to obey anything out of extreme fear. Here's the new monetary system. Oh, well, that doesn't hurt. Okay, fine. With social credits. Oh, okay, whatever. And what we are going to, what they're segueing into is this new monetary system that's not even about money. Catherine Austin Fitz speaks beautifully about it, that it is a, um, uh, it's like the company store. You, you don't have agency. You, you, you can't just start your own uh, business because how are they going to trade? There's no more money. It, even if it's all digital. Um, it becomes, um, it's not even going to be digital. It's more like tokens and social credits. And so what that means is there's master controllers, like the man behind the curtain. They're masterly controlling 
every kind of transaction. Um, so if you don't behave, well, you don't get to ride the bus today. Um, you said some bad things on social media, hey, you don't get to fly for a year. So they've, they've got so many tricks up their sleeve from climate to this new monetary system to rolling waves of um, supply chain uh, um, shortages that um, we're, we're in a very difficult um, time period right now. And everybody who is incarnated on the planet right now at this point in time, we're here for a reason. There are those of us who are spiritual warriors and there are those who are here to, um, who knows why. But um, this is a spiritual war on humanity beyond what they're doing at the logistical um, earthly plane level. Um, is happening energetically and they're really trying to control us as a species. So back to Cyber Polygon, um, it's not about nothing. It's a very important thing that's happening. I don't want to... Uh, um, uh, confer upon them such powers um, because ultimately they don't have the ultimate power. They are not gods. And we have God in every cell of our bodies. We have God in our connection to the great divine. But they, on this earthly plane, they do have a lot of the weapons and tools. And it would behoove us to um, make sure that we watch um, the cyber polygon um, um, exercises that they're doing because uh, they give us clues for those of us who can read the tea leaves they will give us clues to be uh, forewarned is to be forearmed you don't want to just go into a put your head in, a, in the sand and say no I'm just going to meditate my way out of this uh, no we need both and that's why I have um, um, a saying called for a spiritual politic and a political spirituality that it can't just be all spiritual because you might be doing your spiritual own thing and they've got the guns at your back and there you go some help you were or the people who are political and then they they, they become um, infused with anger and hate and um, and then how effective do they become so it, I, I think this is really the the great new age or great learnings that we have to do is how do we find the balance? How do we find the balance between the political and the spiritual, the mind, the body, living in a way that um, is in harmony um, with nature? And that's really hard because we've had at least 5,000 years of disharmony, very left brain. And so that is the, the, the great test before us. Are we going to be able to find true harmony? And that's why we need the balance between political and spiritual. So um, back to this uh, this cyber polygon. Um, watch it. See what they're having to say. Don't believe it all necessarily, or don't believe their potential to um, what the outcomes can be. Believe that they have the capabilities to pull this off, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the outcomes will be how they want them. Because they're actually afraid of us. We number almost nine billion. There are only about five or 6,000 people, all told, who are, have the power to do all of this. And they know that all we need is consciousness and they can't do this anymore. And that's partly why they want to call us, because too much of us is too much energy to um, surpass what it is that they have in mind for their sick selves. Um, so as we become aware of what 
um, this particular simulation that they have going on, we become aware we have to constantly keep in mind simultaneously how are we going to stop it? Where are the holes in it that we can do? Where is our power in it as opposed to just giving up power and there's nothing we can do? Because it does look formidable. It is formidable, but it's not, um, it, 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 it's not the be-all or end-all. And so um, we can find cracks. Um, Whitney Webb talked about that, that they have a lot of cracks. They're, it's not all on the same page, and they're not a monolith. They have internecine wars among themselves as well. And so one of the interesting cracks is um, they have, um, they're constantly blaming things on Russia. Russia gate this, Russia gate that, Russia did the cyber attacks, Russia or China. But um, here's what's interesting. Um, you were saying, Tessa, how you discovered that who's putting on these, these um uh, simulations, the co-sponsor, really more the sponsor, the World Economic Forum is just the front face, um, is uh, your, 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 your native country. Yeah, I mean, like, I was thinking about it since last Cyber Polygon, because that was especially last year, before the elections, as it was building up, it was all like Russia, 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 I mean, like, and, and I'm from there, and it, and it hurts. But aside from that, then I look at Cyber Polygon and it's American companies, big, big, big American companies and World Economic Forum who is connected to Western governments, obviously. And, and then there's a fat, fat, fat slice of the former Soviet Union, including Russia, and <laughs> the Central Bank and like, Kazakhstan and other, other surrounding like, former Soviet republics. And I was stunned. And one of the things, one of the big topics last year was fake news how we fight fake news. And so there were Russian presentations, like Russian, official Russian presentations on fighting fake news. While at the same time here, Russia was the fake news. And that just blew my mind. And to this day, it's actually a mystery, meaning that I'm sure it's multifaceted. I'm sure there's many aspects to that. One of that, as we were just talking before, before this, is probably bureaucracy, because while the big guys are working together with each other against all of us, they also fight with each other. And there are all those rivalries, and I'm sure that every country has an official platform on the like, top military bureaucratic level, and they have their talking points, and they have their platform uh, on essentially how to eat the most peasants. <laughs> but then they all want to eat all of us. So, But it's very interesting, because even on the level, both last year and this year, when, if you think about it, say, like, forget all the conspiracy, forget about all the dark stuff. And by the way, like, I really liked everything you said about this spiritual battle. I think it's, I think that that is where it's at. But if you just think about it, okay, so, yeah, cybersecurity is a problem, and it's only natural that big companies and governments, they want to get together and play with it and figure out how to protect themselves. I mean, that seems logical, like, on, on, the, on, the, on that level. And say it's, it's just a normal corporate thing to do, and... With each event like that, there is bureaucracy, there are people who are making careers and writing papers that never get used and just, I mean, like, it's like human stuff, human stuff, bureaucracy. But then even from that perspective, so they're saying, for instance, last year there was a speech featured very generously on last year's Cyber Polygon, like, web pages from uh, the Russian, I think he's head of police. So, uh, so he says it's inevitable that this kind of, like, global... Uh, cyber pandemic with coronavirus properties. I'm mean, like, I love it. Their 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 metaphors are just so so 
so nicely done. So it's inevitable that such a cyber pandemic with coronavirus properties will happen. So if it is inevitable and it's horrible, then do we really want smart cities? Do we really want more? Just on the purely logical level, like from the corporate perspective, if it is inevitable that it's going to lead to a crash, do we really want more computers to rule us? Do we want hospitals to be talking to our refrigerators, to our bodies, to our telephones, to our power supply? I mean, do we really want that kind of dependency? But evidently we do, even though it's inevitable. So that makes no logical sense whatsoever. And you can blame it on insanity or greed or any of those things. And I'm sure a lot of just pure greed is happening in parallel with all the evil stuff because things are never black and white. Things are never like this one like evil guy pulling the strings and everybody's just doing the dance. I mean, like, that is an attempt. I'm sure a lot of what's happening is just pure, like, stupidity, greed, corruption, uh, like, myoptic vision where this is my department, this is how I make my career, this is how I make the most money next year, this is how I send my kids to the most prestigious university in the West, or whatever. This is, I'm sure, a big part of it. But then, at the same time, we do have responsibility, and... I completely agree with you, and I've been thinking about this a lot, that the battle, ultimately, how I think we can win and how we have a chance is to find our hearts. Because what happens actually with every activist movement, and I think it's very human, like you discover something dark and horrible and evil, and then you start like posting about it and talking about it and talking about it, and you drive yourself crazy, and there's nothing, it's, it's like human, it's natural. But then what? Then you form a thing where, okay, everybody's in the know, everybody knows about this, and there's code language. And it, I've seen it with like, different movements, and it seems like a natural human tendency. Then all you do is you talk about the dark stuff. And the social media is designed, like a lot of it is obviously because everybody's in a different geographical location. So social media is designed algorithmically to elevate whatever is like, hurtful, whatever hurts the most. And I actually noticed that, switching the subject temporarily, I, I, I worked with Indian Country Today for many years, which is a native publication, and that was, that was a blast, that, that was really wonderful. And one of the things, I did many things for them, and one of the things, uh, I did the social media, and I've noticed just what kind of, and obviously any news publication always wants to have the most eyeballs. And it can be the loftiest, most benevolent, motive but you still as a news publication you want you want to have read like the, the most readers the most clicks the most activity in social media and of course there's certain types of articles that would get the most like activity and the most traffic to the website and they usually were not the most positive really uh, elevating the negative that is happening and I for myself eventually what I started doing I really became very 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 conscious because I did not, I, I tried to do the right thing, but also not create negative as much as possible, because that's a responsibility. Because then, when people see the negative, then, then that, that, that's what breeds. And so, I've been observing social media professionally for a while, and I know what works. Therefore, I noticed the same thing with the whole transhumanism, like education. It's... All of it is valid, all of it is important, and it's absolutely necessary to understand what's going on. Well, maybe not for everybody, but for anybody who is interested in that kind of thing. But then if it becomes all about the dark stuff, 
and it becomes kind of like a conversation amongst ourselves about all the horrible things that the horrible like, yeah, we got them, they're doing this, they're going to do that, they're, they're doing this, to the, I mean, DNA, I mean, it's all true, and it's all horrible. But then what? I mean, they have, on that logistical level, they have more power than us. They have more money, they have more military access, they have more evilness, they have more, like, oh, they are doing us over, like, a thousand times if we operate in that, in that box of linear, what they're doing, like, military... And I'm sure that people with different inclinations and different, like everybody fights the great reset differently, if they want to fight the great reset or oppose it or not not accept it, and we all have our own way, and it's only the person knows what's the right way for them. But as a thing, as a methodology or as a approach, I think that it boils down to the extremely ordinary and non-glamorous things, as in you have relationships, maybe some of them are fucked up and you have to put your heart into them and try to heal them. You have things that you do in life, you have trauma, you have things that internally undealt with, and that's kind of what people had to do for millions of years. And now we're in this new phase where it's like fireworks and horror and technology and the, 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 the stakes are high and it's, it's all true. However, we st it, 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 it's only an up-level like up reminder that we have things that that are not dealt with internally, as a community, as individuals, as a society, as like emotional, spiritual, or whatever, whatever words you want to use. But it only indicates that we have like untreated matters and we have to address them. And it's it's unlikely that it's going to get any easier as time goes by to deal with them. So the sooner we start dealing with our internals, the better. Because I think life has the quality where it's like in your individual life. Say you have, maybe you're sick with something. It's like, you know, if you address it immediately, no big deal. But if you don't, if you're complacent or busy or distracted or whatever it develops, then it becomes a little harder. But then say it still doesn't hurt very much, so you don't deal with it. Then at some point it's going to really, really hurt. And then most likely you're going to have no choice because then you'll just deal with it. Because And it's going to be the hardest at that point. But I think similarly, civilizationally, this, so this is what happens because we have a challenge. Say, if with civilization, we don't deal with it, we get complacent, we think we can play God, or we can deny nature, or you know, feel more important than nature, then nature is very kind, and the planet is very kind. So we get a lot of margin, we get a lot of leeway, almost like it, it feels like it's indefinite, but it's not. And I think. Our power really is in the heart and in fixing things in an invisible and glamorous manner, meaning that like internal things you deal with, nobody sees that, nobody's going to praise you or give you points or like or whatever, like give you a like. It's something that is hard work. It is not necessarily always enjoyable. I mean, like the result is extremely enjoyable, but the process can be, you know, very frustrating. So, but I think that's where we're at. And I think that not getting divided is a huge thing because this is how every good thing has been derailed. If we look at how European like settlers you know, logistically won over the original people of this land, it was, well, violence obviously and a lot of really cruel things, but also dividing individual nations and playing on rivalries, historic rivalries. And I, I think maybe that was a lesson for us to not to do the same. 
because now we're all on the plate, like all humanity, no matter what you look like, no matter the origin, no matter the continent, like most of us are on the plate for the psychopaths, as, as you said. So I think that waking, waking up to the hearts and trying to kind of go back to what we haven't used as a culture for like a couple thousand years, I don't really think there's any other option. And it's not glamorous. I mean, like, there's no hashtag that you can attach. I mean, like, you can, but then it's going to mess it up. So I think that's where we're at. Um, I really agree with what you're saying, and I have some, uh, some comments that speak mm -hmm. to exactly that. Um, when I said um, for a spiritual politic and a political spirituality, mm -hmm. it's sort of like a yin-yang. We need a mm -hmm. good balance of both. But when push comes to shove, I think the spiritual trumps the political, ultimately. And um, it, it's hard because you, we'd like to think, well, if I just talk rationally and good sense. Um, I have a friend who say, I, I've studied all this research, and if I just can tell people what's going on, and I said, you don't understand. They're not comprehensing, com comprehending, either because the, the mind control weaponry or they're just crazed, but people are not really comprehending facts. So it feels like um, the whole world is one flew over the cuckoo's nest, and I'm Jack Nicholson, and everybody are these uh, walking inmates, and the psychopaths are nerds ratchet. So it's really hard. But I think back to something that my mother had told me. My mother was um, very political for a long time. She wasn't actually political, but more she was um, a feminist, and um, she was a teacher, and um, so more in the political world. But in her later life, she like really shifted and really found um, deep spiritual connection, and and she's sort of like my guiding star. Um, she was an extraordinary woman. But in any event. Um, she would say when people are talking and they're getting all mashugana and they're, you know, crazy talking stuff and just rah, 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 either at her or just in general, my mom would just quietly be like this. Uh -huh. But my mom was saying prayers for them the entire time. While they were doing all of their left brain ranting, she was healing their heart just right there. And it was just amazing the level that um, she did that kind of work. She, my mom is like a peasant woman. She really is not any sophisticated. Uh, she, she was just um, a, a good, kind woman who grokked at a, at a basic, common sense, intuitive level that this person needs healing of the heart. It doesn't matter how I say, well, um, Biden said this and the Russians are doing that. This transcends that because the original language really, as I was saying before we languaged um, the, this left brain version of language, the original language was, we would call it intuitive, um, telepathic, but really it's like connecting to uh, the, the mind and the heart together and that's how we originally communicated as a species and that's why um, during these lockdowns they have to set, shut down the churches. Um, a, a lot of what's left in church is what I would call trickle-down spirituality. I, myself, um, practice more shamanic um, kind of connections with nature. Um, but wherever the spirituality comes, they got to shut that down. And so that's why they're filling us up with drugs and pills and liquor. The liquor stores were wide open. Those people made a killing during the lockdowns, but you couldn't go to um, any faith-based organizations. And so um, they're, they're getting smarter and smarter, too. And, and 
they are going after not just shutting down our um, faith components, but also they are, um, I think, insinuating themselves in um, certainly in the more um, liberal left kind of faith-based, if you will, like the New Agey movement. Um, I think we're seeing um, kinds of infiltration, kinds of mind um, control that um, is undermining our authentic desire to connect with um, the, the, the great divine. Um, and it's interesting how people's winningest traits can also be their Achilles heel. So I kind of want to get back to what you had said about um, these uh, cyber polygon people in that they want everything locked down in control and it's all interconnected and boy that gives them massive control. But one of the things Klaus Schwab also said is that we can't have any weak links in the chain. And so any weak link is an area for hackers to come in. So the more, the more it seems like it's, it's locked down and they have every single angle there, the more, the, the more crazy it gets because um, they can't have their finger in every single dike. And so on the one hand, they do seem to have incredible powers um, to have full uh, spectrum dominance uh, with the panopticon, the big brother panopticon, the all-seeing eye everywhere watching us. But um, that is also going to be their undoing. And so we have to know that these people operate pretty much on an earthly plane. It, machines are earthly plane. Um, heaven forbid when they really enter the spiritual realm in full force, but I just don't see how they can because it requires authentic heart and soul. And I, I just, maybe I'm being in denial, but I just can't. That, that, that's when they're going mano a mano, direct competition with the great creator. And I, I just, uh, I have faith in nature, in our planet, and in the, the brilliance at the cellular level of uh, consciousness of all life. When you go too deep into the, the whole spiritual thing, you cede to the other side, people who are more after power, you cede the whole power to them. And so now more than ever, those of us who have the most spiritual inclination, we're the ones that need to step up to the plate and not let those who have less spiritual, let them go crazy. And too many people are like, oh, I don't want to have anything to do with that political stuff. No, uh-uh. Well, you voted, didn't you? On, on what basis did you vote? You have opinions, don't you? Oh, but I, I don't do... Yes, you do. You're giving it energy and you don't even know what you're talking about. And we need spiritual people. Before the freedom movement, which is what we're in right now, there, there, there still is the truth movement. The truth movement's kind of segueing into what I would call the freedom movement. But in the truth movement, it's amazing how many spiritual leaders we have who um, everything from new age to actual... Um, uh, church reverends and, and rabbis who um, understood um, what was going on with the truth movement. 9-11 was just one example. And um, I remember um, one of um, the spiritual leaders said, I don't really want to be doing this. This is not what I want to do, having to fight for truth to come out so that we can shift these power structures. But if not us, who? And it's the good people, it's too easy to abandon it to the people who 
um, are either too susceptible to being co-opted or are um, uh, perfect candidates to get greedier and more power hungry. We cannot abandon this earthly plane sphere of interacting with the uh, political realm. And so that creates this big dilemma because on the one hand, we're engaging, we're engaging, we're on social media. It's like we're dialoguing with it and giving them energy. So let me turn my back. I don't want to give them energy, any energy. Well, if I turn my back, they're liable to stab me in the back. So how do you, how do you remain informed and dialogue without giving away all of your energy and yet um, maintaining your own sense of energy? And that, that's the great conundrum, and that's what the balance is about for a spiritual politic and a political spirituality. The, the, we're at the very start of figuring out those kind of solutions to have the balance so that eventually, ultimately, we can move out of that duality and become whole. Just naturally have, um, have equanimity and balance and wholeness. And um, this, people were, people are, are got lazy. We, we, this is, it's, uh, oh, it's too hard, I don't want to. So on the one hand, you almost need that smack in the face, you know, wake up. Come on. Um, I don't want it by the stick. Why couldn't we have it by the carrot? Imagine, if you will, Tessa, all of the powers that have come together that like that shifted our whole world. Everybody's wearing masks. We did this lockdown. Everything's like transformed within an extremely short period of time. What if, let's just imagine those people who were calling those shots and orchestrated all that had everything positive instead of negative. Can you imagine what our lovely, fabulous planet would look like if all of the very best, brightest, greatest ideas were to come forward for the good of all? I mean, it's just even too hard to imagine. We can barely imagine the ugliness that they have wrought, and yet we're living it. A lot of people are still in denial over oh, everything's fine now. No, it's going to get worse, people, I hate to tell you. But just imagine if the people in control were really us, and, and we didn't do it in a totalitarian way, but we said, this is the direction we're going to go in. It's, it's, it's hard to imagine how beautiful it could possibly be. And, and that's what we have to do, is imagine what it could be. That's one of our powers. It's too easy to get sucked into and dialogue with what they're saying. And I, I, I have to watch my languaging. This is what the cyber polygon is saying. This is what they're going to do. I have to keep saying, this is what they think they're going to do. This is what they intend to do. We can stop them. So it's a, it's a very great lessons right now. We're all under intense tests of who, who really can um, man up and be the spiritual warriors we meant to be. Look back in your histories. I, I actually investigated my history and I found out from the 1200s in Ireland that my people were warriors. Now I'm not gonna get out there with a gun or anything, but I'm a spiritual warrior. And we have to find our inner spiritual warrior self because this is a war against humanity. I don't think they're going to win. I, I know they're not going to win. The thing is, are we going to win in our lifetime or our children's lifetime? When do we? When will we get this back? That's the problem. They won't ultimately win, but when?
Well, again, you said so much, and <laughs> it is also wonderful. So I think, again, it boils down to non-glamorous things and kind of things that people had to deal with, well, for millions of years, because while it's easy to hijack top-down, top like hijack what? Hijack good things. Hijack good things. With a top-down top approach, mm -hmm. it's easier to break oh, yeah. than to heal. So the, the, the trick here, and it has to do a lot with language, whenever you start doing top-down, even with the best intention, with the best ideas, it's just not designed to work this way. And then as soon as language becomes rigid, that's where all is lost. And so if I start telling you, okay, you can't, like, here's how you have to be for your own good. And I could be right. But if you are not, like, then it's not going to do anything and I'm going to be an asshole, right? So, and something has to work internally and it's a mystery. Then we go back into the mysterious realm where we belong and the, the realm that we don't control. Like, bottom line, I think there's a myth of control and the desire of control. And this is, I think, what transhumanists share with activists sometimes, the desire to control. And that is just not how it works. If the goal is good, if the goal is spiritual, like something, healing, something, that is healthy and balanced and wonderful and mysterious, then it cannot be done with mandating good things. Or bad things, but even good things, they cannot be mandated. And free will is such a fundamental yes. part of why we're here, what the entire point is of being human and doing it as a human being, that if we try to speed up others beyond like beyond what makes sense beyond what spiritually like trying to like nudge or heal or do prayers or do you know do what whatever makes sense in the heart with humility and respect for their soul like whatever is done i think with respect for other people's souls and respecting the fact that they do have their own mystery and they're not robots and whether they are right or wrong or agree or disagree they are still a sacred being so with that in mind, I think if you pray for the healing, if you try to help them, it's beautiful and it can actually work. Not always, sometimes it doesn't work, but it, it can. But if you try to pull somebody beyond their desired speed towards something good for them, it's just like life on earth is not designed this way. It just doesn't work. Right. So if you command people who are scared in masks, Say, like, unmask now. Well, you know, it might be beneficial for them to unmask, but you're going to cause harm if you go about it this way. So, and, like, to me, a big thing is not doing things from fear. For instance, even, you know, it's good to understand what the transhumanist religion is. It's good to be aware of it. It's good to understand their motivation. But the key thing is not to be afraid of them. Because... They, for one, want you to be afraid of them because they're afraid of us. But also, as soon as people start acting out of fear, 
again, all good is lost for that duration that the, the motive is fear. Because then, and I think nobody is immune. I know that I've done plenty of stupid things and I've caught myself acting on fear and I was like, oh my God, that was ugly. So, and this is something that probably we all go through, but I think it's a spiritual responsibility to try to catch yourself and to try to watch out for when you act on fear because, I mean, I've noticed that actually in, in myself, something that I had, had to and I obviously have to watch out for. Sometimes if I have a relatively clear understanding of what's happening, I think, like to, to me it feels like I have clarity about what's happening, even the great reset or any of those things, but it, not necessarily anything. So, and then say people around me or people with some power, maybe they don't have the clarity that I think I have. And then if I get into the mode like, oh my God, they're going to like fuck things up for me because they're behind me. Oh my, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then it messes with my thinking and then I kind of like turn into what I don't want to be. So, and I think this is the temptation in a way that we all deal with. This is, and I think that is one of the key things right now for people to watch out for. And that's not easy. And that's sometimes very humbling. And sometimes it is just frustrating and tough because but I think this is something that we transcend because first we go into clarity on the somewhat logical level but also emotional but then like but then you start feeling if you start feeling arrogant even if you don't intellectually feel arrogant but then like oh my god they're going to mess things up but then I think it's important to remind yourself that there's a bigger mystery a bigger picture and everything is taken care of on, so, on some level the big picture is taken care of, and you just have to be patient, and you have to do your best, you have to be brave as fuck, you have to really insist on love, to which we're entitled. And I think a big thing about, the big trick about what our civilization has done to us, all of us, is convince us that love is not valid, and this is something that I was writing yesterday, and this is something that... We feel so alone with our love. We feel so stupid because, I mean, they, this, if, if the entire world acts like they don't have love and they don't have faith and they don't understand the big picture, I mean, like, and it feels this way that you feel alone with all your love and what, what good is all your love and all your clarity and all your whatever, spiritual blah, 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 if you're alone with that. So I think that it's really important to transcend that fear that others are going to fuck things up. And I know for me personally, it's been kind of a big theme in my life because I was really keen on understanding how things work and ever since I was a child. Like, to understand what life is about, to understand what the meaning is, to understand, you know, all those things that are like big important things and the meaning of life in our culture is considered something that you go after and can never really understand. And this is like a mess of our culture. This is not how it's supposed to be. But anyway, I was really keen on, like it was very, 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 very important to me all my life. But then when you get there and you maybe figure things out a little bit or a little bit deeper than average culturally, but then you feel alone because, and then you feel like you see every mistake that people do. Oh, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then there's a tendency towards not even necessarily intellectual arrogance, but feeling like, oh, they're going to fuck up my life because you know, they don't understand. And to me personally, it was a big 
a, a big discovery that that in itself is a trap because, again, the bigger plane is taken care of. And if you feel clarity and if you feel love and if you feel like you're stronger, then go and heal. Then just do your job. And the good thing is not foolish. Love is not foolish. It's not naive. It's actually what we are about. And it's entirely, entirely, entirely valid to work towards that. And if people don't understand, then again, you use your, you, you, you use your senses. Like, you can't convince anybody, you can't heal anybody, it's not possible. And people are perfectly entitled to being where they are and to making their choices. But you can make intelligent, or at least try to make intelligent decisions in your own life, like where you direct your energy, who you really want to try to really help, and do it with faith. And pray to higher powers, however you believe, because we cannot do it from just being human. We, we need higher powers too. And we, you know, we set our readiness to do that. We set our willingness to do the work and do whatever it takes from where we are. But the work is not done by us. So this is, this is how I feel about that. Yes. Um, I, 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 it's so unfortunate how they have... Um, destroyed love in many people. They really have. People don't know how to love. A lot of people do not. Most of humanity still does. But um, love has become a prized possession and it's not readily available in part because um, our language can't help us to create it. Um, I liked what you were talking about language and how rigid it can be and we have to be careful about rigid language. On one level, um, Anything in um, left brain communication mode, like language, is ultimately um, a boxed in. Um, because the, the real communication is the one that we originally have and that all other animals have, and that's the telepathic communication, which most of us just, a few of us have a little glimmer of what it was. And um, I would just like to kind of explain um, using a a dumb little story that I or an analogy that I made up to help people understand what it means from between right brain, left brain, linear, nonlinear. So, because I want to make um, analogies with um, how to use uh, prayer and love. So, picture um, in the real world you have a big um, filing cabinet, and in that filing cabinet you have three drawers and you have a whole bunch of files, and you want to send all of the contents of those files um, from New York to San Francisco, let's say. So what do you have to do? You have to take um, each filing cabinet drawer and take each of the files, and then you're going to put them in a box, and so you do that with all three drawers and put all of those files in a box, making sure they're in order, then you put it in the box, then you box it up, then you have to take it to the post office, and then you... Um, you, you have to make sure that that gets sent. Then the person on the other end has to do the reverse, has to open the box, has to get the files, has to put them in each right drawer and put them there so that that bit of information can be changed. So um, in the real world, in the meat world, M-E-A-T, that's how those, that the information from those files are changed. Well, we're living in a different world right now where those exact same files are on your computer and all of that effort, we right now can highlight them, drag and drop them to the file in San Francisco. 
boom, just like that. Isn't it amazing what our technology has allowed us to do? And so when you consider that analogy of how it, it's done physically and how we've managed to do it digi digitally, realize that the non-earthly plane mode is based on a form of virtual. It's the true virtual, not this artificial machine virtual. It's the true virtual where the ease and the instantaneousness um, can actually happen. There's incredible amount of, uh, of quickness, of power. So when, when you see how easy the, the, the moving of those files are, just think that that is virtual and we really do have an actual virtual world that's outside of cyberspace. And that virtual world is where distant healing takes place, where uh, telepathic communication takes place, where um, prayer can take place. And so it's not like prayer and healing can take not take place in this material world. It certainly can. But you saw how quick and fast it is when you're in the virtual world. And so um, what I am suggesting is that when it feels like our languaging is just not connecting, people can't seem to connect to love, they can't hear what you're saying, um, and we're locked in these boxes because all language on some level is rigid. It's like a game of telephone or like, you know, you have two cans and uh, trying to hear what people are saying. It, it, much is lost in um, language communication. But very, very little is lost in telepathic communication, even if the person is not aware. And so as I gave the example of my mother, who doesn't know anything about computers, was working in virtual reality as she was saying her own prayers. And she's not a sophisticated priestess or anything. She didn't have a, I think she said the Hail Mary. She was Catholic. But she didn't, I, I would ask her, and she didn't even necessarily say the official prayers. She would just talk. She would just, silently of course, but just in her own way, please help this person, please. I don't even know what she said, but probably help this person, bless this person. That is a form of using virtual reality to connect and heal another person or to communicate with them on some level. And um, when, you, when you do it with love, sincere love, not manipulative, I'm going to make this person do it, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to send them my love energy, it doesn't really work like that. It can't be manipulative. manipulative. It has to be unconditional love. But when you're talking from your sincere heart and sincerely want to help people, um, help them understand, even um, concrete understandings of what's going on. Maybe you want to kind of convey, uh, please don't take that in toxic injection. Saying it in languaging is just, it, 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 it doesn't compute. But there's a lot of power in the virtual world, as we saw with the little exercise I gave, how much more powerful and easy and, and effective and efficient it is. That is what the, Tesla called it the ether. Some people call it the zone. Rupert Sheldrake calls it the morphogenetic field. And this is where we can um, have our humanly powers that still have not been usurped for the, from us. Maybe they're working on the brain, but they haven't figured out how to, how to replicate the heart. And the heart is a very key component when you're doing communicating and healing on the non-earthly plane. 
in a virtual way and it doesn't take rocket science knowledge all it takes is sincerity um, to be able to do it and here's another example my mom's example is very simple any peasant can do it just while the person is going crazy either you or someone else you just please help this person they're so wonderful I just want to help them you just silently say that that stuff works they, they can't quantify it and because they can't quantify it they call it quack but it works and another example is when everyone was wearing masks, it was just so alienating and ugly. I hardly ever wore a mask. And more than ever in my life, I made a point of just smiling at everybody. I just like, hi, just smile to everybody. And people are like, you know, they're not used to seeing people, let alone people, smiling. And so what I was doing was I was extending love energy that was far more powerful than the the... Uh, shutting down effect that they had of these masks. And so the point is, is that um, we are not alone. It seems like we're all alone and, and can't connect. We can connect with others and we can shift things. I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day who's um, a realtor. And she was saying how she doesn't, she tells her clients, don't tell people you're about to buy that property. She goes, I don't know what it is. I, I don't think she's spiritual or anything. She goes, I don't know what it is. But the minute you start saying, um, I'm, I'm going to buy that property, it's like it's in, it's in the air, and all of a sudden a bunch of other people come in, and then you lost your property. In other words, um, now that might be more manipulative. You keep quiet. But the point is, when you put things out there, they don't have to be on the earthly plane way. It's actually far more powerful to just put it out there. I'll give one more example, and then um, I'll, I'll end with that. Um, and that is um, during when the dot-com crashed. I was in the dot-com world, still was for many years. But um, when th that world crashed, I needed to find a job. Where am I going to get a job? Everybody was looking for a job. And so I was sending out, like, let's, I'm just making this up, but let's say I was sending out um, 50 resumes a week. And I would send them all out you know, dutifully, judiciously. I, I did all the work, which is the equivalent of sending the files from the filing cabinet. And I finally, like, I got together with some of my, uh, uh, my spiritual friends, and we, we just, like, had, did some of our spiritual work. And it's like, oh, aha, yes, light bulb. <laughs> so what I did was, I, I wasn't slack about it. I, I still sent out resumes, but instead of 50 each week, I sent out maybe five. What did I do with all the work that it took me for the other 45? I, uh, I jacked it up to a higher plane and I started doing more manifesting, shifting work. What are my highest um, desires for what I want to do and putting out that energy and boom, like that. I can't believe it. I, I, I got a job when there were none. It was my only option, but all you need is one. And that job lasted for me uh, it's the longest job I ever had. Um, it lasted about 14 years. By all rights, I never should have been hired. I could go into more details of it, but it was not only, God, I actually got a job out of all of that, but it's the best job I ever had, monetarily, work-wise, everything. And it's because I, I uh, jacked it up to the next plane, off the earthly plane, and into the spiritual realm where it doesn't take rocket science. It's just, it's a will and a heart and you just put it in a different way. Now there are techniques, and um, I have used techniques. There's a wonderful book called Manifesting Matisse. Uh, Matisse, like the artist, Manifesting Matisse, that's one example. The Law of Attraction, 
Um, these are ancient secrets. Um, they're not even secrets. People know about them, but they're like, oh, that's, that's new age fooey hooey. No, this is, and this is where our love can get exercised. Because in the virtual realm, things happen quicker, quicker, faster, better, stronger. And that's where we can do a lot of work. So when you're feeling like, I have no power, I can't do anything, just connect heart to heart with someone, with the universe in any way, and, and speak your highest wish. You would be shocked what comes. It works. Because it's... It's the divine energy, and we have it. Every single one of our cells has that divine energy in it, but they've shut it down. They don't want us to know these secrets. We ha this is what we have to find. This is where my real activism is, but I'm, I'm right now quite a bit of an activist in New York do, doing anti-Great Reset activism, and we have to be on that front line too, but um, let's remember that the most powerful, easiest work is not putting all of those files in the filing cabinet boxes. That, that's my activist work on the streets in New York. But doing it virtually by connecting my love with what I want in the world and how I can help others. And do it with a smile. <laughs> and hugs. This is the oh, hug lady. <laughs> oh, I've never been called that. <laughs> but I think I want to add... One thing that I think, well, you know, like we've had, this, we've had this conversation, like to me personally, the new age language doesn't work at all. And it's the language. reason for That's me, part of it. well, the reason is that, and I think people process anything through, I don't know, it's like you can throw different things at uh, one person and they'll process in a particular way. So I think... Well, the model that tempts us to be a little bit materialistic about the prayer, as in, here's this field that we, you know, with our brain, we're so smart, we figure out a way how to pray correctly and throw it at the field. That is completely materialistic to me. So, and I think, like, it doesn't work for me this way. So... I think being sincere and humble and admitting to the fact that, you know what, in human form, what, what I mean, like, we, we, we have a lot of power, but it's not ours, it's, it's we're babies, really. Like, we're babies with free will. And working with, like, appealing to our ancestors for help, appealing to the forces who are not a field, who are actual beings to, to help us. But do it as you do with a living being, with, you know, be who you are, with bring your confusions, bring your doubts, bring your, I mean, doubts, not necessarily, but if you feel them, like, ask for help how to deal with that. And just a conversation, as in, okay, so here I am, this is how it actually is, and no tricks, like, no, no need for decoration when you, when you pray. So it's just like, this is how it is, this is, this is how it is, and help me to, to be wise, to, to do what's right. And I think like this is what, to me, makes more sense than any kind of field. But I guess it's individual. So people have different ways of going about it. And so... That, well, that that's is. the problem of language. Everything you said, I thought I was saying. Um, but you say tomato, 
I say tomato, uh-huh. and it's we're basically saying the same thing, but mm-hmm. we're stuck on language, and so it sounds like the field. I'm not talking about the field, but everything you said was, that's the field. But you say the I say the field, and you say no, it's non non field. But um, that that is the how language keeps us so separate because it's very hard to be precise with it, and that's why I lament that our species cannot still be back in telepathic where there's zero noise in the communication process. We have massive amounts of noise in uh, trying to understand each other. What's that word mean to you? What's the totality of the paragraph mean to you? And um, so I I think that's just a, a drawback of the language and that's why more and more we can't assume that just because someone says that exactly um, like I often tell people when I'm doing palm readings, mm-hmm. I'm like channeling, so I'm like, don't take this literally, um, extrapolate based on what I'm saying for what it means to you, because I'm just, I'm bringing it to you in language, and, mm-hmm. and there's, that's a very crude tool that we're stuck with. But um, I think when our species gets back at some point to being able to transcend language, this crude tool, it, it's like I used to say... Um, Humans used to telepathically communicate, and then we created this tool that seemed so brilliant. We created Shakespeare, we can talk, but it's really ultimately crude because we end up not being able to understand each other for the same reason. We, as a species, used to be able to, a yogi still can, um, astrally project to go to the moon. But instead, we have these uh, these big rockets that can do it, but they're polluting, um, they take up resources, but look at we're able to do that. Or if, if uh, we want to uh, communicate um, with, uh, like, this was before the days of wireless when I used to say this, like, let's say you wanted to communicate with Los Angeles, um, great, we've got these telephones and we can communicate, but we've created all of these uh, wires and logs, and now we actually have even all of this wireless stuff. So they still require yeah, yeah. hours. So yeah. we've created the mechanical means of doing it that we long ago knew how to do it virtually. Um, in the, the, the field, we knew how to do these things. And then we, we thought, oh, how clever we are. Look, and then we started building. And we forgot about those things that were in the non-earthly plane. We were able to do them all in a much more spectacular way. And that's kind of what we have to get back to. We, we have done wonderful things using our left brain uh, technologies, um, We've been able to heal uh, terrible accidents. Um, we're able to stay warm in ugly, uh, brutal winters. So there's a lot of things that we have done with these uh, tools that we l- learned how to do, but we're out of balance. We're completely out of balance, and most of us are, are not even anywhere near as connected to the, the greater tool that um, for eons um, our species had. And those who come close to it are people who still are of the earth and um, indigenous and uh, shamanically connected to the, the a, a direct connection to the divine as opposed to sort of a sprinkle down or a trickle down spirituality. Um, but even that is still a greater connection. And um, I would take um, any peasant who is connected to the earth and knows how to live in nature just by themselves over I would any top scientist in the world who's 
ultimately disconnected and unless they have complete control over nature and have the system. And that's where they're taking us right now, this full-spectrum dominance control zone. And we have to get in tune with our inner indigenous selves. We were all indigenous. It's not just Native Americans and people living in the Amazon. All of us were indigenous at some point. Most of us have lost that uh, cellular memory, but it, it's still there. And so I had... Uh, like psychic development groups, and that's so I can be a psychic and, you know, what's the lottery number, but so that we can connect to the great divine. And that's what prayer is. I'm, I'm totally, um, um, it's not just using psychic stuff to astrally project or, or telepathically communicate. Prayer is in, it's in that same realm. It's in the same mode. All of that is, um, I, I, weapons is the total wrong word, but they are all um, tools. tools to protect us and make us stronger against um, this world that they're trying to build against our will. And so we have to go deep inside to our cellular memory and remember who we are as a species. And, it's a, and our, our biggest start is love and connection to the great divine and know that we can practice those at any point in time, even if we all get stuck in prisons. Um, they literally put us in prisons. Who knows what? It's a prison planet now, but it, it could easily get worse. They can't stop us transmitting love. We are senders and receivers of love and connection. They can't stop that. And that's where we're strong. I agree with you. <laughs> oh. This is a great talk. Well, thank you. It is very far from Cyber Polygon. Uh, people can read about that, which, by the way, um, Derek Bros on Last American Vagabond wrote an excellent article about Cyber Polygon that I highly recommend people to read. And also, there's uh, my site and my presentation that I did with my sister, Colleen. Um, I gave it on June 20th about Cyber Polygon, and you'll put it in the show notes. I mm -hmm. it, 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 I think it was a pretty good um, understanding of um, what they're planning to do with these simulations. <laughs> well, thank you. And thank you, and, Tessa. And, you know, there are more <laughs> of us, and they shall fail. We shall succeed. And we shall succeed. Yes. Okay, thank you. Thank you.